You're listening to the Can Dare Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! And welcome to a very special episode of Can Dare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, the very talented actor and possibly one of the nicest guys on the face of this planet. <laughs> Brought to life, Billy Butcherson and Hocus Pocus, the Silver Surfer in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. The Fawn and Pale Man from Pan's Labyrinth and Abe Sapien from the Hellboy movies. Actor Doug Jones. Thanks so much for being back with us, Doug. Hey, well, thank you guys for having me. This is a, a nice treat today. Yeah, a treat for us as well. It's going to be awesome. Before we uh, turn our attention to Doug and talk to what he's been up to uh, since we last spoke with him all the way back in 2013, doesn't seem like that long ago. I guess it really wasn't, but... Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Three years. Heavens. <laughs> You've done a lot in that three years, my friend. <laughs> well, I don't want to boast. <laughs> But before we do that, we're going to jump into a very special retro roundtable where we're going to be talking just Christmas in general. Uh, we're going to be talking our favorite Christmas traditions, favorite Christmas either movies or TV specials, songs, and uh, favorite gifts as a child. I think that'll be a lot of fun. So let's just dive right into it with this week's retro roundtable. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Happy birthday! Merry Christmas, you filthy animal! And a happy new year! All right, guys, where should we sh- uh, start? I, I'd like to say I'm excited to do this retro because at some point it becomes very fashionable to dislike Christmas. You reach a certain age and all your friends are like, Christmas, that's baby stuff. <laughs> I love Christmas. I yeah. totally always have. I don't see it changing. Maybe when I've got kids of my own and I've got to shell out money for presents and such. But sure. right now I'm just kind of stoked to talk about it in a positive way. <laughs> right. What about you, Dougie? Big fan of Christmas? Oh my goodness! It is my favorite holiday, bar none. And uh, and and not only not only the it's for kids uh, uh, thing, but but it seems trendy and cool to be like, oh, it's so commercialized. I just hate oh, Christmas, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. that, and that's half the fun of it for me. That's the truth. Last year was a very Star Wars Christmas with uh, episode yeah, uh, seven or eight. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I succumb to it though. Look around the room. There's tons mm-hmm. of Star Wars merch around here. <laughs> but of course, of course. Well, let's just dive right in with family traditions. Who'd like to go first? Doug, do you have any Christmas traditions that uh, you and your family do? Well, uh, oddly enough, when I was coming up in, in Indiana, when I was growing up in Indianapolis, my uh, uh, the Jones family um, did the basics, uh, you know, putting up a tree, having presents on Christmas morning. Uh, we were uh, a very Christian family, grew up in a church, so uh, so we do the the New Year's or the Christmas Eve service the night before. Oh yeah, and. Uh, yeah, so uh, the candlelight service on Christmas Eve is one of my favorite things ever to do. Um, when they uh, when they uh, pass out the candles, and then you you uh, you light yours from the person next to you, so every the, the one flame starts the entire congregation on fire, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 
I, I remember holding, and, and I had, it's been it had been it had been years since I'd done that um, a, a candlelight Christmas Eve service. Until a couple of years ago, we uh, Mrs. Lori and I went to a church out here in California, and they were actually having one of these candlelight services again for Christmas Eve. Oh, I've done that since I was a kid. Oh, oh, so. I remember now, mind you, both my parents have passed away, right? My mom died about three years ago, so that's still fresh enough. And here I'm holding this candle, and I had this this complete flashback, standing next to my mother, holding a candle up, singing "Silent Night," and we we're doing the exact same thing. I'm in the same pose with a candle in my hand, singing "Silent Night" uh, on Christmas Eve, and I just got overcome with the blubbers. I, I came oh, a yeah. mess. So, so that's a tradition that that actually came back to haunt me in a very, very happy way. You know, you just had a, made a million memories rush back to me. We did the same thing growing up. I had totally forgotten about that. I haven't done that in years. Wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> of course. What about you, Jack? We didn't really do, I mean, we the, the family got together. You either went to one of my two aunts' house on Christmas Eve, and then we did Christmas in the morning at home, and then the family would come to our house for Christmas dinner. Uh, my grandma, she would always make mincemeat pies. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Don't my mom, get me started. Yeah. My mom, <laughs> she, well, my grandma's been, she passed away probably about 12 years ago, so those haven't been around for a while. And last yeah. year, last year, the year before, my mom decided to dig in and make them. Did she? And, oh, my God, yeah. Bring the tradition back to life. Oh, yeah. I had to. To stop myself from eating them all. <laughs> I'm trying to make up for lost time, pretty much. It's the one time a year you're allowed to get away with something like that. Yeah. So dig in. <laughs> How are you, Jakey? For me, it's, uh, you know, there's actually kind of a baking tradition in my family. On my mom's side, from my mom to my great-grandmother, great-great, and so on down the line, uh, we always have coffee cake for breakfast on Christmas Day. Mm. Ah, early, yeah. make the coffee cake. Mm. Yeah. I swear to God, it's, it's almost better than the presents sometimes. <laughs> when you, you've barely slept at all, you need that brown sugary molten mess to keep you alive right, for the right. next few hours you know? <laughs> but uh something that, that really stuck with me is I, I went to a catholic school when i was younger and every christmas um the different classes and different grades would mingle together and we gather into these groups and sing carols just around like even around town and stuff mm. and that's when i got really really I, I'm, I'm like nostalgically obsessed with like the old classic sort of hymn-style Christmas songs. In particular, there's that one. I don't know if it's got a proper name, but it's God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. The lyrics to that effect. That one always hits me. As soon as I hear that, it takes me 10, 12, 15 years back. And right. I'm stuck in elementary school again. But it's not Mariah Carey's. No. I want for no, actually. <laughs> in fact, the opposite of that. <laughs> I love how music can do that. You can just hear a song or just a few notes of a song, and it just shoots you oh, yeah. years back. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like a shot mm-hmm. of nostalgia right to the brain. Right. <laughs> Well, man, my uh, my little tradition thing here seems kind of stupid next to all your guys's, but uh, not that we have anything we uh, we you know make sure we do every year. But uh, one thing that always happens every year is it gets turned to TBS, where we all know there's 24 to 48 hour marathon of the Christmas. Oh, story. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, every year it's a great movie. We sit and watch it. But the one thing that always stands out is just how my family, myself included, will sit there and point out parts of movie of the movie to other people in the room <laughs> like we're seeing it for the first time. Like, Watch yeah. this. The Bumpus' dogs are going to come in right here, you know? You guys remember the lamp? I remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, since we already touched on movies, uh, what about favorite Christmas movies or TV specials? Dougie, what about you? Well, I think uh, uh, the nostalgic one is White Christmas, uh, Bing Crosby and the gang. Mm, yeah, uh, you can't beat uh, that. Right. That would be some that my parents were like all crazy about when we were watching on TV when it would you know back and back and when I was a kid now I grew up in the 60s mind you 60s and 70s so we didn't have home video you couldn't just pop a movie in whenever you wanted to at home you had to wait for it to air on network television right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so when White Christmas was on we gathered around and like made sure we were at the, at the right time and ah and uh but he, but even more recently, uh, Love Actually is is one that I oh, that I just that is yeah. such a good what movie. a cast you know and, oh yeah you right seen... so that, that that's an every year one for me now yeah that is uh, picked up with Brooke and I we we watch that one every year too it took me a long time to finally see it I think I was put off by the title just like uh, I know uh, right you know? <laughs> who's in it. Everyone. Man, everybody! All the like heavy hitters from British movies and stuff. They're sort of go to. Oh, it's it's I don't know six seven years old maybe. Is it? I'll have to look. Yeah, but, but uh, you're right. Yeah, uh, Hugh Hugh uh, 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 Grant. Oh, yeah, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Uh, Emma Thompson. Um, uh, uh, is it Kira Knightley? Uh, yeah, yeah, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson, yes. Bill Nye, who's probably Bill my Nighy favorite. Bill Nye was hilarious. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the cast is huge and, and very ensemble-ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just see so many different angles of love all happening in different uh, situations to different people all around the world. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. hard to be cynical watching that movie. Oh, it's such a tribe. Yeah. How <laughs> <laughs> you, Jack? We uh, read, well, it's not a movie, but Rudolph. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, of course. I remember Please. going for a few sure. years without seeing that and then watched it when I was it was probably mid teens and it was only a half hour long and being a little kid you don't no, you know, you have no concept of time. It's funny you say that because when you're a kid, it seems like it's so much longer. And yeah, yeah, yeah you're <laughs> yeah, right. You grow up, and all of a sudden, half hour later, you're like, oh, it's over. I thought it was right. a lot longer. Like, it's got like so much more in my day left. Yes. Than I thought. <laughs> well, it's like Doug was saying. You know, when we were kids, we just caught it on TV. We didn't have it on VHS and DVD, so it was stretched out with commercials uh, yeah. uh, and everything. And yeah, <laughs> right. But then uh, Scrooged in Christmas Vacation or the, the most <laughs> oh, yeah. year. Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Scrooge is a hard one to catch, but Christmas Vacation every year. I think Scrooge is on Netflix now. Is it? Yeah, I think so. That was a good one. Love that movie. <laughs> Jakey. I got... It's... it's The big one has always been A Christmas Carol for me, but like mm. specifically my favorite one is the one with uh, George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, yeah. He's got that gruffness about him. That, I mean, if you've ever seen any movie with George C. Scott... He's gruff. That's his, you know, yeah. that's his thing. That's his shtick, yeah. Yeah, it's, he's, oh, he's so perfect for it, though. And his attitude, he's he's very much snarkier, I think, than a lot of other Scrooges that are just, like, blunt and rude. He, he laughs at his own horrid jokes, you know, that he makes. <laughs> and, oh, it's fantastic. But I tell you what, my favorite so far in recent memory, Christmas movie experience. I was flipping through Netflix a couple of years ago, me and my roommates, and uh, we saw this crummy low-budget Christmas movie, because you get a whole slew of them every year. It was called A Christmas Puppy. By the way, had nothing to do with a dog. Not sure where they got the title. (laughs) But we were curious, and so we just we put it on and we fast-forwarded to a random point in the film, just to see what it was all about. And I'll never forget this. This will follow me to the grave. We hit play after fast-forwarding. The screen fades in. There's a grown man in an elf costume sitting in a bed He looks at his hands and sighs very, very heavily, then puts his head in his hand 
and the screen fades to black. We paused it right there because that was the perfect cross-section of that movie. This elf person who just can't cope with what life's thrown at him and just gives in. I will never forget that. So did you ever see the rest of the movie? No, I couldn't bring myself to do it. It was just too perfect. I didn't want to spoil. I couldn't have context connected to that moment. Well, it sounds like the Christmas puppy died. It must have, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the only logical thing. Oh, it was such a just a perfect moment. You mentioned the Christmas Carol. There's been so many different uh, oh, sure. incarnations of that. Didn't Patrick Stewart do that one year? I feel like there's one out there with Patrick Stewart. I can't remember it specifically, but I, uh, it seems like there would be. Hmm. I'll have to look into that. I can see him doing it. I love him. He's Wasn't awesome. It, was it Michael Caine in uh, Muppet Christmas Carol? Yes. Yeah. That's another. <laughs> certainly was. That's the greatest. I hate how quick I jumped on that. Yep, yep, that was <laughs> him. Oh, yep. uh, yes, sir. Yes, it was. <laughs> this is his 317th film uh, filmed in. <laughs> well, it's not so much Michael Caine, but more the Muppets. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Muppet-like characters, when I was uh, trying to think of a movie or a special to think of, one kept coming to mind that I hadn't seen in years, and I had to pull it up on the internet and watch it again because it had been so long. Don't laugh at me. But the now al- you're priming me to laugh. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you're going to laugh. So the Elf Christmas special. Any, does anyone here remember that? No. Now, Mm-mm. Alf was, you know, if, if oh, you guys, Alf. I thought you said oh, Elf Christmas. Special. No, Alf, A L F, alien life form, you know, the Gordon Shumway. Gordon Shumway lived with the Willie Tanner. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the show was very lighthearted and just just a comedy, you know, from front to back every every episode. But this one, it was an hour long and it was pretty darn heavy for <laughs> for Alf, you know. But it starts with the family going out uh, to a cabin out in the woods, no power or anything, a place where Willie had spent Christmases growing up. And he wanted to take his family there to experience Christmas, the perfect Christmas. And they had taken Alf, who hasn't, you know, being from another planet, this being his first Christmas on Earth, he doesn't get the concept of Alf, or of Christmas, excuse me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, instead of bringing in Holly and Ivy, he brings in what he thinks is uh, Holly and Ivy, turns out to be Poison Oak, gets, gets the family all itching and scratching, tears through all the gifts, not knowing, you know, the purpose of them, and gets Willie so mad he throws him out. He's like, get out of here, you know, we're sick of you. So... He stows away in this uh, this guy's truck, who is on his way to the hospital to deliver uh, toys to sick children. So he has to pose as a toy, as not to give up his cover and you know be taken into wherever Area Fifty One or wherever you right. take an alien when you right. find one. Mm. But the refinery um, where they render them down into fossil fuels. <laughs> the Alf rendering factory, right? <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible thing for a Christmas episode. <laughs> We've lost our way, everybody. But he ends up uh, being given to a a little girl, a little girl named Tiffany, who this is her last Christmas. She's a dying little girl. And uh, there ends up being a little touching moment there with them. And, uh, you know, on his way out of the hospital, then ends up uh, being stuck in an elevator with a woman in labor, giving birth to this new child coming into the world and, you know, convinces her to name this child Tiffany, the the same name of the dying girl. But... Yeah, uh, to get out of the hospital, he stows away in this uh, this guy's truck again, and this guy ends up parking on a bridge. He's an old man who's just lost his wife a few weeks earlier, and he parks on the bridge. He gets out, and he's about to jump. And oh, come on. I know. I couldn't believe, like, how heavy this was, especially wouldn't you call, like, Alf aimed at children more than anything? Well, the, yeah. I mean, anything where you've got that kind of puppetry is a big draw, right. you'd think. 
but uh, you know, Alf gets out and you know has a very nice talk with this guy, talking him off the ledge. You know that there's very kind of wonderful life kind of thing sure. happening. But uh, it's just funny because that that little silly special from that little silly alien has uh, really left a mark on me, and it all these years later still resonates. It's funny. It sounds like a traumatic mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the only TV special. I mean, aside from Rudolph and those that's, no, that sure. have really stuck with yeah, me yeah, all that, these that years sense. later, but. And you mm-hmm. can see why. Oh, sure. All right. But, all right, anyway. <laughs> Enough movies. <laughs> what about songs? Any uh, favorite Christmas songs, Dougie? Ah, well, well. I, I Oh, so many. I, I love uh, I, I love the radio stations that play nothing but Christmas music for the entire month. You know? Yeah, all yeah. right. So, I can't get enough. But, uh, but the, one, the one CD that I still have that I pop in every year that is the inaugural Christmas album for me. Uh, is Mariah Carey's first one, which is called Merry Christmas. I know, I know this sounds like a 56-year-old man should know better, but <laughs> uh, but I've had that, that particular album for, I don't know, whenever the first year it came out, was, I was a fan of hers. And uh, and girl can sing. Okay, come on now. That she can. That she can. I apologize for my earlier statement. <laughs> I, am, I am contrite. Well, a, Go sit in the corner. Oh, jeez. Sure. No, of course, the popular uh, tune that uh, uh, gets all the radio play from that album was uh, "All I Want for Christmas Is You." Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but the, the, but it's her version of "Oh Holy Night" that will that will bring me to to my knees every time. Yeah, she really? uh, it, she wails and it has a big finish and like so it makes me want to go yes, <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That song though, all I want for Christmas is you. It. If I had a nickel for every time somebody told me that, I mean, <laughs> get over yourself, Jake. Get over yourself. I'd have a couple of nickels. <laughs> but, but no, that gum. <laughs> <laughs> not the good stuff either. Not like Orbit and oh, be like Wrigley's sucking Jack drugstore gum that's been there for like ten years. Tiny bags of chiclets. There you are. But no, that that song really. Uh, Speaking of songs with catchy hooks, I mean, that song you can hear over and over, and it just brings you in. And you you had mentioned Love Actually earlier. They do a cover of that song in that movie that's really good. That that was a good soundtrack, too, the soundtrack to Love Actually. So good. With Bill Nighy's bit, I can feel it in my fingers. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. That Brian Curry song is probably one of the... Yeah. I was just doing another line from the song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had to throw Christmas into that song, the word Christmas, and it didn't really fit. Right. <laughs> that Mariah Carey song is probably one of the, the best original Christmas songs that have been come out for a while, I think. That's yeah. a good point, yeah. because every year you get the new truckload of original Christmas mm-hmm. songs that really don't do anything new, despite not having been a predefined configuration of words. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. I discovered that to be a musician, the pinnacle is to get a successful Christmas song. Because if you do, like Mariah Carey, you know... It's got to mean you're comfortable, right? Well, like, that one song is going to play year after <laughs> yeah, year after year. After year. After year. That's yeah, right. That's exactly. Right. And what was the movie? Uh, I think it was another Hugh Grant movie about a boy where he's mm. living off of his uh, the royalties of the, his father's Christmas song years later. His father's been dead for years. I have seen that. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. I like Hugh Grant. Everybody likes Hugh Grant. Well, come on. Well, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant. Yeah. <laughs> Man, now I'm thinking of Hugh, Hugh Grant movies here. Music and lyrics. That was another good one. I love music and lyrics, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that movie, yeah. I, I can't forgive him for being so effortlessly charming. That makes yeah. me mad. Every time a new person I become aware of is just, like, cool all the time. Like, oh, great, 
must be fun for you. We're going to have to title this episode Guilty Pleasures, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about you, Jack? The Alabama Christmas album. We used to listen oh, to that boy. constantly. Year, that was, I guess that was a tradition, too, actually. Really? Yeah. We, man, listen to that thing front and back all through the season. I've I never heard it. probably sing every song. And not every, I don't, I want to say they're all original, too. All Are original they? songs. Yeah, it was, it's amazing. They didn't album. do any covers on there. Not that I can remember now. No, that's, that's, that's big right there, yeah. I think. Have any of them become standards, though, that I, maybe I, I would I haven't heard any for no. a long time, yeah. Hmm. Poor Alabama. <laughs> they tried, right? About <laughs> you, Jakey. All right, this is perhaps the most sacred Christmas tradition of my family. Mm-hmm. I'm almost nervous to speak of it, lest they find out I'm spreading it. But we have a Christmas album, Dean Martin's Christmas mm-hmm. album, yeah. that is the single most important thing for the Christmas season in my family. I'm not joking when I say we've made copies of the disc and the original is in a safe because we oh, can't wow. we can't find it anywhere anymore. I swear we must have the last surviving copy. But to me, Christmas is Dino. It's Dean Martin. When he starts singing, the Christmas season has begun. Specifically, that mm-hmm. song about "Baby, it's cold outside," where he's mm-hmm. like convincing mm-hmm. the girl to stay in with him, which sounds a little aggressive in retrospect. <laughs> Nowadays, <laughs> right? But it's such an awesome song and it just oh every time it's just it's comfort it's like stepping into a warm bath now that i've said that i kind of regret it because i think that's what hannibal says when he stabs his friend but <laughs> always but back to the very comforting. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. it's it's perfect that album to me is christmas and mm-hmm. there's a copy for me a copy for my sister and then i assume no more copies until the end of days that combination mm. of that safe's going to be forgotten one of these days. Mm. Well, then that's when we bring out the explosives. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you mentioned ex, uh, uh, Christmas songs that, what was the word you just used? Aggressive? Aggressive, <laughs> yes. Another one that kind of comes to mind that falls in that same vein that I think kind of goes unnoticed uh, would be I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. 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 I think that would lead to uh, extreme domestic violence. You know, you know? There's, a, there's a debate that rages in my family. Is it about the literal... You know, Santa Claus, like she's kissing Santa Claus right now? Or is he seeing his parents, he or she, seeing their parents putting the trees under the table? Perhaps one of them is dressed like Santa Claus. That's all, That's what I always interpreted it as. Santa, yeah, okay. yeah the parents, that's all I always oh, thought. Oh, boy. Too. Don't I feel like, stupid. See, well, no, there was, a, there was a time I was convinced it was the first one. I couldn't reconcile that thought. I'm like, Santa Claus is destroying this kid's family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah. He's coming between his parents. That's not a Merry but, Christmas. But it, it, it does kind of beg the question, though, uh, if, if the little boy was supposed to be in bed, uh, uh, then why would Dad take the trouble and the time to dress mm. up as Santa Claus uh, to to you know put, to put presents under the tree and whatnot. A very uh, valid point. Unless unless mom and dad were into something a little kinky. <laughs> <laughs> so really, even the innocent solution to this problem isn't so innocent. There's, you no, can't win with that trick. Well, at least Doug's got my back. I can't say that for you guys here. <laughs> Christmas songs for me. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, and this is going to be very cliche. The Chipmunks Christmas song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we absolutely. To Love it. That, that was an album I had uh, growing up, the actual vinyl record, yep. and played the living hell out of it until it wouldn't play anymore. And since we're going down the uh, the way of guilty ple- or guilty pleasures here, another kind of tradition we had growing up was... <laughs> 
can't believe I'm saying this. The Raffi Christmas album. You guys know who Raffi is? Not no. off the top of my head. No, Doug, what about you? Never heard of the Raffi Christmas album. You ever heard of Raffi in general? Anyone? No. 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 Oh, wow. You, I think you're off the hook with this one. Wow, I might be. There might be listeners going, wow, you dork. But, uh, <laughs> We're going to see our downloads drop after this episode. Eh? He just recorded a lot of uh, children's albums uh, through the 70s and 80s. And he there was a Christmas album that uh, every year we would go to the library. There were the spindles with the vinyl records on it. We'd pull it <laughs> off, go home and listen to it. So anytime I hear that, uh, yeah. But one of my uh, most favorite songs as of recently has been uh, the Billy West Christmas song. Billy West <laughs> mm. being the uh, guy who provided the voice for Fry, uh, the Professor, Zoidberg. Zoidberg, and Futurama. He's the voice of uh, the Red Eminem. Uh, who oh. else? He's been who the voice. Isn't he the voice of all? He's all things. That Ren and Stimpy. He was yeah, the voice yeah. of. Uh. But uh, we were looking at getting him on the show, and when it seemed like it was going to happen, we started doing some research and found in 2004 he had an album out called uh, Me Pod by Billy Grief and the Grief. Excuse me, Billy West and the Grief Counselors. And uh, it's just called I Wasn't Broke for Christmas Time This Year. And it is a freaking good song. It's just about him playing his guitar on the street to raise some money to be able to buy his family the gifts he wants to get them. And, you know, even if you're not crazy about the premise, it's Philip J. Fry singing a Christmas song, you know? so Hard to argue with that. Yeah, it's a good song. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know about I'll put it at the end of the episode, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, so uh, you get to hear that. Very cool. Okay, well, what about favorite gifts as a child? I'm, I'm excited for this one. What about you, Dougie? Well, yeah, boy, this is this is so reminiscent now. I, I, um, now, uh, mind you, I, 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 this is back to the 60s. Uh, my parents were very, very conservative when it came to spending money. So uh, uh, Christmas, we had we had a you, you, your main gift was you had a ten dollar limit to to tell them what you wanted, and it had to fall within a ten dollar range, right? Right. <laughs> so it doesn't sound like much now, but it bought more back then. Sure. Well, I had a fascination with ice skating. I'd seen it on TV when the Olympics ran, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I want to learn how to uh, how to ice skate." And it wasn't the hockey kind of skating. I wanted to do the artsy kind, of course, because I'm Doug Jones. So, <laughs> so, so I wanted to know, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, and I had a fantasy of, of doing, you know, couples figure skating at some point where I could fall in love with a girl on the ice, right? I, but I didn't have any skates, and so this—I mean, this is like a Hallmark Channel movie. Like, the, <laughs> I, I, I want my first pair of ice skates, mother. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now see, so what? My my mom was not much of a of a get in the car and go to the mall and shop, shop, shop. Uh, the, the, what she would rather do is have us pull out the Sears catalog, and uh, and she would order things, and they would just show up in the mail, right? Right. So, so the Sears catalog was a big, thick thing, and the Sears catalog was anything under the sun. It, it would. So I looked in the sporting goods section and found this beautiful picture of a pair of black men's figure skates, and I was like, oh! And they were nine ninety five. Yes, oh, <laughs> right under the limit. Perfect. And uh, so I, uh, I remember telling mom, "That's it." I pointed to the picture, and yes. And so for the entire month of December, when I would come home from school before Christmas break happened. I would come home from school with being haunted by that image, and I would have to go back to get the Sears catalog back out of my mom's bedroom and open it up to that page and just gaze upon my face <laughs> that I didn't have yet, right? And so, of course, Christmas Day came, and that box was the right shape, and it was them, and it was like the smell of the leather, and the, oh, 
Aha. I will never forget that pair of skates and what that did for me. And I, and I did, by the way, and then I went, I went skating every, she then took me skating uh, every Tuesday after school uh, for the entire winter. And, um, and I learned how to uh, skate backwards, go on one foot. I even was spinning by the end of it. You know, I, oh, it, was, wow. it was really a, a lovely Hallmark Channel movie in the making. You made good use of them. I did. I did. <laughs> that is freaking cool. That's awesome. And you mentioned the Sears catalog. I mean, even yes. in the eighties, we we had. I remember those. Yeah. Well, you could kill somebody with the size mm-hmm. of that book. I mean, it was it was right. thicker than like the Bible is. It was big. <laughs> it was a big book. And but, be honest. Be honest with me now. Did you linger at the ladies' lingerie section? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've already uh, mentioned Raffi here, so hey, why not? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But uh, no, the toy section in the back was, oh my, I can't, how many countless hours my sister and I would just sit on our stomachs on the living room floor, flipping through the Sears and the service merchandise uh, catalogs, just dreaming of what could be. Mm -hmm. You guys ever have that? We got uh, to the point the where Toys we R Us catalog up. for me. Yeah, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. After a few years, my sister and I would cut up what we wanted out of the the thing oh, and put it on a piece of paper. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just putting it everywhere your parents are going to yeah. be. Don't forget. Don't forget. What about but, you, Jack? I, sorry to interrupt, but no. before, I know we left this behind. But if the story of the figure skates was a Hallmark movie, it would have to be called Figure Eights. Right, just oh, like a nice, gentle. Look at you. If I, I'm sorry, that came to mind, and I <laughs> felt like I couldn't let it slide. In the wrong no. line of work here, this guy is. <laughs> Call up Hallmark. Love it. Love it. Okay, we'll get to writing. About <laughs> <laughs> you, Jack. Coming out the living room and looking under the tree and seeing the uh, Castle Grayskull sitting oh, there. Oh, 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 that boy. thing was so freaking amazing. And I, I don't ever remember asking for it, but. I had almost every other He-Man there was, so, and I love that TV show. Oh, yeah. I mean, a child in the 80s, how could you not? And it was huge, too. Yeah, it was. It probably, was. what, like three foot tall, something like that? And when it opened up, it was twice, well, it wasn't six foot, I guess. But. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, when you're a child, it seems that way. Yeah. But I, I went over to my buddy's house within the past couple of years, and he had picked one up at a toy store just, you know, for fun and... I was like, man, I remember this thing being enormous, like (laughs) feeling like I could get into it myself. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot smaller than I remembered. (laughs) Man, what a good toy, though. Jakey? All right. I've got I I remember when I got this toy, it was called Rad and it was this remote controlled robot stood probably about two feet tall, had tank like treads, Uh, its arms. Uh, were articulate. It could grasp things with its hands, but the coolest mm. part was it had this dart-launching Gatling gun in his chest. This and, sounds like Jake. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> this thing chewed up batteries like you can't even imagine. I think every action it took drained like a double A or something, but <laughs> when I saw this thing, my brain, my little child mind, couldn't conceive of anything that cool. Like, it just... It blew my brain right out of my skull. I was gone. And I think I spent more time with this thing than any friend I've had since. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I spent so long learning how to maneuver it so that it could, like, grab things for me and bring them to my bed to the point where it would take, you know, five, six times as long having him do it than me get up and do it. But the novelty of it. And uh, the thing that really got me in trouble more than once is that the, uh, the, the signal from the controller could reach through the different floors of my house. Oh, man. So he'd be in the living room or the basement or something, and I'd be in my room, and I'd just be like, if I fired off a couple darts right now, <laughs> I wonder what I'd hit. Uh, don't let me spoil the ending for you, but it was my sister every time. <laughs> 
And, uh, oh, man, that was incredible, though. And I remember they didn't even wrap it because they were just like, okay, we want to see this one right, right off the bat. This thing, this big gleaming white robot with the giant cannon in its chest just guarding all the gifts. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is it. This is- I thought you were going to say you sent it through the house to get the uh, lingerie section to the Sears catalog. But- <laughs> no, I wasn't that clever. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, I had the same kind of experience with my favorite toy. Uh, I tried to think of a different one from the one I mentioned last year, but it always comes back to Teddy, Teddy Ruxpin. Ruxpin. <laughs> always comes back to Teddy Ruxpin. He was nothing short of magical <laughs> to you as a child in the 80s. I mean, you, there are so many toys like Jake saying, you know, Rad who's shooting darts while running around the house tormenting your sister. Teddy just sat there and stared straight ahead and his mouth just moved, but... The wonder that came from that little bear that and it amazed me. He all he had in him was a tape recorder and this thing, like you're saying eating up batteries, took like ten D batteries or something. <laughs> but just sitting there opening a storybook, reading a story as he tells it to you, singing songs with him. He's, I still have him. He's right inside that closet there. I will never get rid of that bear. I love that They'll thing They'll have to, to bury him with you. <laughs> they just might. Like a pharaoh or something. All well, your well, it's funny <laughs> because my, my mom uh, wanted a like a, a one of me and my sister's favorite uh, stuffed toys as a child to take uh, with her when she moved. <clears throat> and she said, I want Teddy Rocks. I was like, no, you can, <laughs> you can have anything else you want. No dice, Ma. Teddy stays right here with me. And he doesn't really work anymore. And I even thought about tearing him down to try to get him to work again. No but I don't think I could do it. I'm not that clever. You end up ruining it and then be real mad. Yeah, so. yeah. I just have a bear skeleton. <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> Five Night at Freddy's type. Yeah. In there. <laughs> That's too horror movie premise to even mess with. <laughs> oh, man. This has been a lot of fun talking Christmas. So many things just come back that I didn't even think about. Hearing about your Teddy Ruxpin, this nice, wholesome gift that like had a big positive impact on your life, mm-hmm. I just realized... I'm that jerk in every B Christmas movie that gets like the mean spirited, dangerous toys and shows them off to other kids. Like, look at my robot; it shoots darts. I can I can pinch my dog with it. And you've got this nice teddy bear. <laughs> I got beat up a lot as a kid. <laughs> yeah, but you're the character that like learns something and becomes a better person. You, you actually look right here, and I did not intend this. I no intention right here. Is that no Teddy Ruxpin cassette tape, tape wow. from the Christmas uh, story? book right here on the desk didn't mean for that to happen boy i'm it's a, a dork. christmas miracle <laughs> <laughs> and on that sad note we'll just end this little segment <laughs> but this has been a lot of fun uh, again so many the sears catalog uh the candlelight uh thing at church on christmas eve things i had totally forgotten about but man man i love i love trips down oh, memory yeah. lane it's, it's an important no. thing to me the whole season so yeah I'm glad. well i'm glad this was successful yeah Awesome. Well, with that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to the amazing Doug Jones. Thanks for being with us again, Doug. Well, I thank you for having me. This has been such a different different type of interview so far. <laughs> I hope you mean that in a good way. That's a good way. It's refreshing to, uh, to talk about real-life things that real people do. Yeah, now we're going to talk about uh, the things that you do that maybe aren't so real-life. <laughs> now we can touch on the fantastical, yes. Right. <laughs> So when we last talked to you in 2013, I think uh, Falling Skies was entering its last season. Uh, right? Second season, I think it was. Second. Yeah, see, I, yeah. if I was involved, it was um, I. Uh, I was on season three, four, and five. Oh, uh, so am I on? Yeah. So 
Yeah. So in 2013, uh, I think it was the summer that, uh, season three that I might was, which was my first season on the show would have just been in the middle of airing. I think I was out there during the summertime, I think in, in 2013. It was or, in May. There you go. So maybe, maybe that, that season hadn't started airing yet. It was a summer, it was a summer show on TNT. Okay. I was way so, old. Then. It was 2014 yeah. that year. We started the show in October. Oh, you're right. So it was May 2014. Yep. Well, there you go then. I, yeah, so so uh, season four was about to start airing. There you go. Okay. I was, so, uh, my, cool. you know, my character uh, was the alien, the nice alien coaches on the show, and um, I and uh, great time. So we yeah. Then the we knew going into season five that it was going to be our last one, and so that ended up airing last summer, uh, 2015. And uh, they, so the writers were able to bring us to a rousing close, and you know, and so we, so we had a an ending to the series that was actually it was finally explained why the alien invasion in the first place, and you know, so you got the wah 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 wah. <laughs> we're all looking, waiting for. It was a good ending, though the way they ended it. It, it, it wrapped everything up. It didn't kind of disappoint. Yeah. You. And, and, For me, and, it, at least. I, and I was happy with that we, that we were left on an up note, you know, with, yeah, with hope exactly. future, as opposed to because you know they could have done anything. It's it's so edgy now to end things bleak and, and hopeless, you know. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, one of those Twin Peaks endings just where everything's a, gone all to hell. And, a big question <laughs> where you're just like, well, what happened? Then you have you're left asking all kinds of questions. Yes, you got to live your life wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks right. for watching, folks. Right, right, right. After five years, they couldn't do that to the. I'm glad they. <laughs> Well, another thing that you uh, were getting into, I think, shortly after we had talked to you, was your uh, your portrayal of Deathbolt in uh, Arrow and Flash. How was that for yeah. you? Great fun! Oh my gosh! Well, uh, so yes, I, I got this this crazy call to come come into. Uh, the, yeah, I, I was introduced on Arrow as um, a, a DC Comics villain that I'd never heard of before. Deathbolt. I had to look him up. Um, and, uh, and so I was introduced on arrow and then crossed over to the flash where they killed me off. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Which is funny because, uh, uh, the arrow, uh, I was at comic con later that summer and, um, in San Diego and one of the writers for, for arrow came up to me at at an after party. Uh, and she's like, Doug, hi, you don't may not remember me. I'm so-and-so from, you know, one of the writers from arrow. And we were just, I just want to tell you, we were so excited to write for you and to continue you and bring you back on the show again you know, to recur and when the flash borrowed you and killed you off we were so pissed off <laughs> <laughs> which made me wonder like, uh, yeah that seems kind of rude to borrow a character from, that was created on another show and kill him right <laughs> so, it's like when you lend your favorite toy to a friend and they break it you know <laughs> right what it felt, that's what they felt like, which is very sweet to be that toy. Yeah. <laughs> I know I was upset because all of a sudden there's a big action scene and then Doug gets frozen to death and that was it. It just seemed kind of out of, there was no like big build up too. No. It was just like, <laughs> Somebody oh, was oh, late oh my God, lunch. what happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but, but between, between an episode of each of those shows, I got to meet and work with, you know, the entire cast of both of them. It was really great fun for me. They, they're just such great people and uh steve amell is great and uh and uh, uh on the flash oh what, what's the, what's his name again the kid that plays the flash um grant gustin grant, grant gustin yeah yeah great 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 everybody's so happy and and, and uh happy to be alive and you know it's, it's when you guest star on a tv show it's easy to feel like the 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 guest who's late to the party kind of a thing like you know the, right. or the country cousin that's been invited in for for thanksgiving <laughs> but, but but you know but uh but you're not really a part of the family but both of those shows were very, very inviting and, and, and welcoming to me. So it was, I, I felt good. 
Now, did you find it at all challenging playing the villain? Typically, when you see you in villain form, you're covered in makeup and prosthetics. This was just bare bones. Just Doug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you yeah, find that uh, any more of a challenge? Well, kind of. Uh, well, because when you, when you want to place, when you want to go over the top and, and chew the scenery, right, uh, and be like and be a villain, uh, it, 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 it gives you more excuse to to go over the top when you've got rubber on your face and you're hidden behind like some creepy mask. Uh, but when it's just you, you do take a chance that like, well, if this is, doesn't work or if this is too much. Uh, it's going to make me, Doug, look like a fool, right? <laughs> I'm not going to make the creature look like a fool because I'm not a creature. Yeah, so, yeah, so you take that chance. But, uh, but I don't know. I've I've often said that when you are doing uh, once once you when you're known as the guy who wears lots of prosthetic makeups, and then the, then you get a role here and there that that doesn't have any makeup on, and you're just you're just a guy in a t-shirt. It feels like walking out of the house in a speedo, right? Like I'm so exposed right now, right? <laughs> it's kind of vulnerable. But uh, but by the time, you know, but but uh, but the t- by the time you're done, it's you realize, oh well, I, it's really I was going to the pool anyway, and everyone else is in a speedo too, so we're, we're fine, right? Can I get that on a T-shirt somehow? <laughs> Actually, I just need a poster of me in a speedo. I think that's all you need. <laughs> we'll be waiting. I hope you make good on that. Well, yeah, we'll give you the address here when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> now, another project uh, that hasn't come out yet, and I'm very curious to find out when it does, was uh, you were cast as Count Orlock in a uh, remake of the 1922 Nosferatu. Probably my favorite film of all time. Oh, yeah, our boy Jake, yeah. you're a big Nosferatu. fan. Nosferatu, that's my thing. That's what I'm all about. Uh, and successfully funded on Kickstarter, was that was amazing to hear, too. Can you tell us more about the project? Yes, uh, it, uh, completed but not out yet. Um, and I say when I say completed, I'm using air quotes because there there is uh, post production is a long process for this one. Oh, sure. um, uh, uh, yes, we did uh, filmed Nosferatu, and I was able to play the title character, also known as Count Orlock, and um, I, uh, it, which was a dream for me. I've been wanting to play Count Orlock for decades. Um, I've been asked in, in interviews for years and years, like, is there a character you haven't played yet? Of all the fantastical things you've been, is there one that you haven't been able to do yet? And I've always said, a classic vampire, in black and white even. Not a sparkly one, because I'm not pretty enough, but <laughs> I, I, you know, right, like a, a classic old-time one. Uh, yeah, but, but me, and, and I was leaning toward Nosferatu because... Uh, he's hideous and he doesn't know it. And I love that because that's kind of how I've lived my, my life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. Beating <laughs> yourself up, Dougie. This is, where you, this is where you tell me I'm pretty. Come on, guys. You're so pretty. I just yeah. thought it was implied. Why do you think we want the Speedo poster here? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyway, so this has been a, a love of mine anyway. Well, uh, uh, yeah, then. The director uh, who directed this 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 remake is um, uh, David Lee Fisher, and this is my second movie with him. The first one we did back about ten years ago, um, which is was a remake of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which was another wonderful. silent film. Yeah, uh, and and Caligari was from nineteen nineteen German expressionism silent film, and it was one of the first horror films like ever. I think. Uh, that had a, a killing machine in it, and that was me. I was Cesare, the the somnambulist who did the sleepwalking and killing. Uh, and um, so, what he did back then with the the cabinet of Dr. Caligari was 
uh, what, he called, what he called a remix. It wasn't a remake. It, we called it a remix because he used elements of the old film. He created backdrops off of the old movie uh, by collecting all the information digitally uh, for each scene and then filming us on green screen and plopping us into the original film without the other actors, the old actors in there, right? Mm-hmm. So so that's that's where the remix uh, title comes from, is that uh, you're watching the old movie with new people in it. And, um, and you know, with, with the added with the added benefit of of sound and dialogue. So, uh, so, but he stayed very, very true to the original story and script because, uh, he just wanted, because it, because he didn't want to reimagine it. He wanted to, uh, 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 make it again with, but with the, the added information of dialogue. So, cause you know, in old silent movies, people are shaking their hands around a lot and, and you, you they're talking for five minutes and all of a sudden a dialogue card comes up that says, yes, mother. And then, Wait, right. <laughs> So, so this uh, with with the dialogue written out, it's like he 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 basically just answered questions that you might have had about the original film. It's not a re a redo, you know. So, uh, so when he called, and that was a, a very successful DVD release that we had back in two thousand five, and um, uh, and I think I think it's actually playing now on the YouTube in its entirety for free. If you look up the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. 2005 uh you'll be able to see i think you can see both of them on youtube for free the the original 1919 and our 2005 version so with that in mind david lee fisher the same director calls me up one day uh, a couple years ago and said hey crazy idea if if you don't want to do it neither do i but uh would you ever want to have you heard of the movie nosferatu and would you want to play i'm like have i heard of it So yeah, so I went nutty cakes, and uh, and and I, I was just telling him, you know, I would practically lick his face over the phone, saying, "You have no <laughs> idea how much I want to do this." Yeah, so it's been a dream of mine. So, so we did it with the same. He said, "Well, here's the deal. I want to do it with the same process we did Caligari. So it'll be a remix. We'll use the old film and put you in it." And he said, uh, "But technology is ten years better now." And uh, and with that Kickstarter campaign, we had a, we had a, more of a budget than we, than we did on the first movie. Uh, so um, and we also had some private investors that kicked in as well. And uh, so it was uh, it was really a very very sweet uh, movie shoot. And I was also able to pull in uh, the leading lady of the of the movie, um, which is the object of Nosferatu's desire, uh, the, the young lady that I wanted to suck blood out of, um, <laughs> is, played by, is played by Sarah Carter, who was also on Falling Skies with me. Oh, nice. and, uh, because I, I knew her well enough to know that her intensity and that she would get she would get what we were doing, uh, I had her meet David Lee Fisher, and they hit it off, and she's now my co-star in the movie. So I'm really, really just more excited about this one than I've been about anything for quite a while. Yeah. And as far as a release date, is anything uh, in canon for when that's coming out? Isn't that a good question? Yeah, uh, I think I think now I think now what David tells me recently that we have a uh, has his editing and doing the visual effects is what's going to take the longest time. Uh, uh, that he's finding that we need have a couple of shots we need to go uh, pick up some additional photography to fill in. My availability has become a problem, so uh, because I just finished a movie and I'm about to start a TV series next, so uh, so it's finding the right time to to get in and, and do that additional photography and keep his editing going. And so I, I I owe him a phone call to figure out where we're at with all that. But but we were hopeful uh, sometime in 2017. Let's hope. Oh, I can't wait to see it. You know, I've, I've used the expression, I can't wait before. I'm starting to realize that I could wait up until this point because this is such a perfect, <laughs> I can't even imagine a better combination of things. I, I love Nosferatu. I, I love German expressionism. I love mm-hmm. the 2005 Caligari. It, you know, it calls to mind like um, uh, Giorgio Moroder's uh, Metropolis, 
is mm. kind of not a remake, but sort of a, a reimagining of certain elements, putting a personal touch mm. on something like that. And I, oh, I just think it's all fantastic. I really can't wait to see this. Thank you. Yeah, no, yeah, he was a dream role for me. Thank you. Don't you even have a bust of? Uh, I do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. A, a Nosferatu bust. He's very. He holds on to my glasses for me when I'm sleeping because it's like <laughs> just the right size and shape. But I've got a little cow norlock on my shelf, and never will I forsake him. That's awesome. Oh, uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now you talk about this being a role that you've always dreamed of playing. That when we last spoke with you, another role you would uh, mentioned wanting to play very bad was Jack Skellington. Any any yeah. leads into that? As of yet? No, no, no. That that's just been something I've been saying in interviews. I, that would be a live stage version I'd like to do. If I if I because I've never done Broadway and and I think you know if if uh, that would be uh, just on my bucket list to, to be on the Broadway stage at some point. Uh, and wouldn't that be the perfect show to do if oh, it yeah. was a live stage version of, of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas? Well, we'd love to play Jack Skellington, but yeah, no, no advancement on that so far. Oh, well, that's a shame. I don't know. I feel like they'd need someone who has a mastery of, of body language and being able to convey their character. I'm being sarcastic. We're talking to Doug Jones. <laughs> I want to make sure the joke lands. Yeah. Oh, you're, out with me. you're not sure it's me, really? <laughs> <laughs> you saw our eyebrows start to raise. Like, what are you talking about? Abort. Abort joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, yeah, I mean, Doug, Doug I get it, but it's, he needs to be tall and skinny. So. <laughs> Where are we going to find this guy? <laughs> Now, you had uh, mentioned just uh, finishing shooting a movie, and I'm assuming that was The uh, Shape of Water, the uh, Guillermo del Toro film, where you're going to be playing another creature of some kind. Can you uh, give us any details on this movie? Yes, I can wink, wink, nudge, nudge a lot on this oh, one. Um, nice. Um, yeah, no, uh, The Shape of Water is, uh, uh, I, I, again, in, it's in the Nosferatu uh, bucket for me, as in I am so excited about this movie. Um uh, this is Guillermo del Toro uh, going back to his more indie feeling roots, uh, making the movie that he wanted to make uh, without a big studio telling him how to make it. Um, uh, and so it is going to be distributed through Fox Searchlight. So Fox Searchlight has been very, very good to him. Uh, they basically gave him the budget and backed away and let him make his movie. So I'm really excited about that. It's been a while. He, he hasn't had this kind of creative freedom and this uh, uh, in a smaller scale movie since Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, you know, since then it was, uh, you know, uh, he had been working on The Hobbit for a bit. He'd been working on that, The Mountains of Madness, and and then finally uh, Crimson Peak or Pacific Rim, and then Crimson Peak. Um, so, and those are all big, 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 right? So for him to, to take a scaled back budget and and to work on a, on a film that has artistic merit and and uh, and story and heart. Uh, uh, that's what that's what the shape of water is. Um, it is uh, kind of a historical piece. It takes place in 1963, so it has a Russian Cold War sort of backdrop to it politically, and uh, and I am the only creature in the film. It's not a sci-fi movie. It's not it's not a, a horror or or um, a fantasy genre film. It is a slice of life history piece of history, 1963 period piece, uh, real life thing. And I'm a real life creature that was found in the Amazon River. And now I'm being tested in a U.S. government facility in a secret underground plant somewhere. Right. Oh, wow. So with that is so it uh, so with that that's that's your backdrop and that's what's going on. So I so my character, my creature is is this a sort of a fish man. He's he's found in the water. So and hence the name of the movie, The Shape of Water. Um, uh, and the the title will come will make sense to you once you've seen the film. Uh, but um, 
with this government testing facility, the cleaning lady there is played by Sally Hawkins, and you're really seeing the entire story through her. Uh, the audience will, will she's she's your main character of the story. So the cleaning lady at the facility. So it's kind of this underdog person who's very meek and mild and shy, and she ends up kind of falling for me uh, when she comes in to clean up around in the laboratory that I'm being tested in. So we we end up having a a, a, a private off the off the clock relationship where she comes to visit me and uh, and so uh, her her best friend on the cleaning crew is played by octavia spencer um our two um, lead scientists in the story uh the good guy scientist played by michael stuhlbarg from uh from boardwalk empire and you've got and you've got our bad scientist guy who's our our mean bad guy of the movie you know, kind of the nemesis who wants me dead and doesn't want to have to do this project uh, he is played by michael shannon oh Amazing, amazing, and we also have, and then of course uh, Sally Hawkins uh, lives in a, a rundown apartment building, and, and her her uh, the the older gay neighbor. Uh, every movie has to have one. Uh, <laughs> it's played by Richard Jenkins, who is another dyed in the wool amazing actor, uh, with decorated for many decades. So. We we had a stellar cast. I mean, almost everybody in the cast was Oscar nominated except for me. So uh, so I was in really really good company. And uh, and the story is uh, it's a, there there is a romance that, that develops between this cleaning lady and this creature. So it has it has it has the smackings of a classic Universal monster movie, it, like the creature from the Black Lagoon or, or even King Kong, right? Where you've got like a a, 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 a monster and a and a and a young ingenue that are and and but there, there's an attraction. But can love actually happen? So that there's the question that will be answered when you see the shape of water. Um, and and it was you know it's really it's such a beautiful layered story. Every character has has such layers of of of, of story to each one of them. And when it all comes together, it's just uh, oh, it's it's Guillermo del Toro at his absolute finest. Oh man, I cannot wait I'm to see so them. So completely uh, sold. Oh, I mean, yeah. I was sold three or four words in, but to hear the rest <laughs> of them, I... yeah. Well, thank you. And this this will be coming out uh, in theaters uh, around this time next year. So uh, expect it for like later in the year, like in the fall, because uh, I, I I can guarantee you it'll be up for some Oscar consideration. Fantastic! Oh, You're going to get your Oscar, Dougie. Yep. Well, not me. Everyone else, but, but uh, <laughs> no, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. 2017 predictions right here on Candare. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And you know, in the meantime, if, I, if I'm if I'm in promotion mode of upcoming movies, I, I can tell you about what's coming up. Uh, the next thing you can see me in, uh, which is January 13th, Friday the 13th. Um, uh, it will be the the nationwide release of uh, theatrical release of The Bye Bye Man, and in this, I play. The bye bye man. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's a uh, more of a of a um, uh, you know more of a cl- uh, uh, cl- uh, horror film in its true form. Um, uh, there are some. Uh, it takes place on a uh, on a college campus with some pretty college kids, uh, and you can't have a horror film properly without the pretty college kids. Ooh. And uh, so. So that's who I terrorize, basically. And um, yeah, the poster, you, if you if you want to do a search out there, if you go to the YouTube, you can see trailers for The Bye Bye Man. And uh, our the, the, the theme or the, the catchphrase, the line of the promotions is, don't say it, don't think it, don't say it, don't think it, don't say it, don't think it, the Bye Bye Man. <laughs> so basically, if you say my name out loud, I will show up. Uh, and um, so, yeah, so our lead actor, Douglas Smith, is the one, he's the college 
college kid who makes the mistake of saying my name out loud when he reads it etched in the bottom of a drawer in the apartment rental that they're or the house that they're renting off campus. And uh, so then once he says it and I, I become unleashed uh, in his life, um, I'm kind of a silent villain where I show up and make you self-destruct and make you do all of the, you know, you seeing hallucinating things and you're not trusting your friends. And then you end up turning on each other. And, and then once he says my name to one of his friends, now they've heard it. Now, once they've heard my name, then now, now I can attack them as well in the same way. Like so I kind of start. So I, yeah, so I, I infest this household of college kids and, um, and you get to carry the, uh, watch their story. Now, uh, fun little, little tidbits about this. Um, we have some supporting roles that are kind of um, with high-profile actors, aside from myself, of course. Uh, uh, but the uh, the the head, uh, the police lady, the the detective that is assigned to this case to find out why where all the killing is coming from in this town, uh, played by Carrie Ann Moss from the Matrix movies, right? Wow. Awesome. Yeah, and we, and then we also have and now then once Douglas Smith finally figures out that he tracks down and does some research to try to find out where I come from, what my backstory is, what my legend leg, legacy is. Uh, he finds uh, he tracks down to the the widow of someone who was in haunted by me decades ago and that widow is the one who explains to him who the bye bye man is without saying his name she never heard his name and she won't right <laughs> so that's why she's still alive uh, but uh, but she uh, uh, is the one who gives all the backstory on me, like where I came from, why I'm doing what I'm doing, and that whole that whole scene monologue comes from the legendary Faye Dunaway. Oh, I know. Man. Right, Bonnie and Clyde, Mommy Dearest. I mean, she's she's huge. Right. <laughs> that comes out in theaters everywhere uh, January 13th. So be looking awesome. for the bomb. Now, you also had just mentioned a, a TV show. Yeah, that I can tell you absolutely nothing about. So I shouldn't have mentioned that. Just... <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm going in for a makeup test for it tomorrow. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, but it's um, it'll be a, um, a it, it's it's a pretty big deal, and that's all I can tell you. Uh, um, yeah. We'll, just, we'll just think of it as a wrapped gift under the tree. We have to there wait you to go. Open, okay, <laughs> a little surprise. There we go. If it wasn't for if it wasn't for social media and and, and uh, you know and NDAs uh, non disclosure agreements, uh, you know, I'd be able to tell you everything. But <laughs> understood. <laughs> we'll just we'll open that gift a little bit later. Yeah, I'm we'll no see. good at keeping secrets. <laughs> <anyways. laughs> the world would know if Jake knew. <laughs> hey right. But I, I would say be looking for casting announcements on that particular TV series. Um, in the Hollywood Reporter or Variety, or a, a, a announcement should be made soon. I think they're they're still rounding out the series regular cast. Um, so once they get that all cast, then then we can talk all about it. Wonderful. Well, I can't what wait. Could it be. <laughs> well, Doug, uh, before we cut you loose, I want, again want to thank you for taking time to talk with us. But there's a, few, a couple just questions I wish I would have asked you last time we got to talk to you, and they're just kind of roundabout questions. Who are your heroes? Who do you admire? Who do you look up to? Wow! Wow. Um, well, let's see. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, uh, the typical standard answer that sounds boring, but but uh, my b- both my parents who have passed on now. Uh, Dad left us in 1979 when I was 18 years old. He uh, had a heart attack and and was gone instantly. But he was a very public figure. He was a public speaker and a uh, a, 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 pol- a politician in, in, in the state of Indiana. And um, he also started uh, a, a non-denominational church in our living room after he left the Methodist church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he was kind of a leader, mover, shaker type A personality who, you know, created things and made things happen. Um, and, and seeing him how at an early age, how he dealt with the public was a big, a big influence on me. Uh, my mother uh, is 
the the most shining example and the most angelic example of a Christian human being on the work on the earth ever. Uh, aside from Mrs. Laurie, of course. Now, and uh, I got to, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, Mom was uh, was was an example of of, of how uh, how one is to have a relationship with God and therefore translate that into your relationship with other people. Uh, so those are, those are my, my personal heroes. And when it comes to the showbiz, uh, the people who influenced me that I look up to that I kind of like uh, learned from, I guess, without realizing I was learning from them, just watching them and being entertained by them would be like the Carol Burnett's, the I Love Lucy oh, cast, yeah, the, sure. the uh, Dick Van Dyke, uh, uh, Don Knotts, who played Barney Fife, right? Um, yeah, you've got uh, you've got. Bob Denver as Gilligan. You've got um, uh, 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 Gomer Pyle, um, Jim Neighbors, right? Uh, uh, Jerry Lewis, Danny Kaye. Anybody who was a little bit goofy (laughs) on TV or film back then uh, was was kind of who who validated me. Like, okay, so if I'm not a mainstream cool guy who's good-looking and gets all the chicks, if I'm not that, there's still hope for me because these guys are making it work on film, right? right? Yes, there you go. All the makings of Doug Jones and all these people right here. That's awesome. You look at all of them and you have to smile. Yeah. If, yeah, if you do. that's not a big deal, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, one more question for you here. Uh, for uh, people aspiring to get into the field you are, ex- aspiring actors, what advice would you give them? Um, first of all, I would say uh, be good at what you do before you try to sell it. So uh, most young actors, their first question is, you know, they want to know phone numbers and names of people that can help them. And, you know, how do I get an agent and how do I get, you know, seen by a producer? And uh, um, that's business talk. And that needs to come after you have a talent to sell. Right. So. So uh, and, and many, many actors jump the gun. They, they get that backwards where they, they want to get all the contacts and all the information first. And then, oh, you have to have talent. You have to, what? So, uh, <laughs> so, so being good at what you do, every actor is different. If that means acting classes for you, if that means if that means getting out and working in the real world. And every actor takes things in and, and regurgitates them differently. Um, whatever inspires you or, or educates you, uh, do that thing. If that means, if that means uh, getting involved in student films for free, doing shorts with your friends, uh, uh, doing some little silly web series with your camera at home for YouTube, uh, uh, doing live stage productions at your local theater, at your civic theater, your, your community theater, um, all that is, is good training ground if you, that you don't have to pay classes for or whatever. But if you're a class, good class taker, then do that too. Um, but uh, but once you're good at what you do, I think then um, uh, then getting that talent in front of somebody who can do something for you, and that's where you would do a showcase for industry talent, um, industry uh, uh, people like like casting directors, agents, managers, that kind of thing. Um, so finding a way to do that thing in front of somebody who can help you or finance you or represent you um, or hire you, uh, but. But and that, that would, would not include another actor, which I get I get asked all the time by young actors. So can you put me in one of your movies? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I can't put myself in my movies. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. So it's like asking a truck driver for a truck driving job. He's not the one who hires. Yeah. Right. So, right. Um, so uh, uh, yeah. I think barking up the right tree with talent to back you up is 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 that there, there's your uh, your very short answer. Very good. Well, Doug, this has been amazing. And I want to thank you so much for uh, spending Christmas with us. Uh, I can't think of a better person to spend Christmas with. No, this is great. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. We we, we were holding hands around a tree and singing, weren't we? Yes. Sweaters, eggnog, fire going there in the corner. (laughs) Nine yards. Can't you hear it? Can't you smell it? 
carolers outside. Chestnuts yeah. are roasting. Standing <laughs> invitation to join the Runyon family for Christmas one year. No, it's a deal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candarepodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, visit the Hall of Heroes and see the Wall of Justice. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. And you can watch us on YouTube. Uh, Jack's been putting the shows up there, another medium to listen to us. And there's a little something to look at there while you're yeah. listening, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I invite you guys to go back to uh, episodes either 29 or 115 when we first talked with Doug. I replayed the interview in episode 115 when we were uh, just getting our start interviewing people. Mm. Not that we're seasoned now or anything, but... <laughs> Boy, Doug, you were awful nice to humorous in those days, so thank you so much. Oh, it was such my pleasure. And uh, we're going to be taking next week off in lieu of the holiday, but uh, I'm going to be replaying an interview we did for our second Christmas episode we did with uh, the late Yvonne Craig. It was one of my all-time favorite episodes. We had a great time talking with her, so stay tuned for that next week. Uh, We'll be putting that up, and then we'll be back in 2017 with some new episodes. So, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And I am Doug Jones. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone.
the world and the future of the planet All the nukes and germs I think we've all had it Maybe this time of year the feeling will last I don't know where we're going but we're headed there fast Friday the 13th. Um, science, science, science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes! Woo! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.